This is my This is my comeback story. This is Trey Lewis with Good Landing Recovery, and you're listening to The Comeback. Nate McGill. How's it going, Trey? It's going well, sir. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Good. It's good to have you back. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Exciting today. So. I, I am really honored. I mean, I, I'm super impressed with your work. I'm a fan. Um, I have known a little bit of your journey. Uh-huh. I think sure. where you were kind of on the front end of a comeback story, if I can use some of our language here. Sure. And just to watch that develop, watch you develop. And I mean, you do a lot. I mean, you help people build their businesses. You've built an incredible podcast. I mean, really legit quality. Um, Thank you, sir. You are a filmmaker. Yes. A musician. You love Jesus. That's right. That's probably the most important thing. You're a good friend to people. <laughs> you know, and you stop. I mean, I, I just even watch the stuff that you'll produce for your kids, just having fun. That's the know? greatest part of it right now because, you know, I spent 10, 15 years, well, really since 1999 in television and film and career was just such uh, the thing that I held highest. Yeah. And it, last time we podcast, we talked about that story of just how much my self-worth was coming from my performance and business and career, right? And so on the other side of that now, on the other side of where that took me, which was into my addiction, now it's kind of like I, I'm doing these things for different reasons, you know? Yeah. So making movies with my kids is just awesome. You know, that's like so fun. Yeah. And I get to kind of instill some things in them and then, you know, but my whole self-worth's not riding on it. So I can go make movies about, you know, witches and dinosaurs attacking people. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing, you know, but I mean, when, when you say filmmaker, I mean, yeah. somebody that's listening to this, you know, might be thinking, okay, you're just, you know, the guy that just put something together on his iPhone. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you've been involved in some yeah, pretty significant. I, I've gotten checks from Disney and Warner brothers, you know, wow. like we, we've produced films for, uh, probably 16 feature films and then produced, you know, stuff for ESPN and, and everybody. So, I mean, we worked on documentaries was sort of my forte. That's where I spent a lot of my years, um, in that. And before that working for the church world and doing events and, and live, uh, productions and things like that. Is that where you developed or did you get formal education? I did. I did both, but really like I, I started in high school. I went down to a local TV station. I bought airtime at a local TV station. This is not a thing that you can do anymore. Um, you can just go to YouTube now. But back then I had to go convince somebody to let me out of class, go down there. It costs $60 to buy 30 minutes of airtime. Wow. And then we turned that into um, selling commercials. And, you know, after the first one, I had the whole summer paid for. So it was off and running <laughs> after that. You know, That's amazing, man. It really is. So you have a story. Um, I know we're going to jump into Jonah today and just have some fun yeah. deep diving into to some of that. But uh, if you could just tell part of your story. Yeah, I think, you know, as it relates to Jonah, especially um, the thing is, is that all of, uh, everyone who's been through this thing called addiction, um, we've all had this struggle in ourselves with this this beast brain of ours that... Um, drives us down the wrong road from time to time. And I think what's so cool is that even, you know, as you listen to every episode on this podcast, there's comeback story after comeback story. And that's the great thing about this this show, basically, is that you get to hear and see yourself in the stories that you hear. And how cool is it to know that thousands and thousands of years ago, God wrote a story 
um, through a guy named Jonah that reflects every bit of who we are today. And I think that when I was in recovery, you know, when I was in a uh, facility, you know, like Good Landing, um, a place where I could really dive into Scripture, the book of Jonah just came back and back and back and back again. And it, it wasn't as much about running as it was about his healing mm. um, that really um, that really gravitated towards me. So if you're dealing with, like, there's stories throughout the Scriptures based mm. on, like, what story relates most to you. You know, people that are, are dealing with guilt, um, you know, uh, they might gravitate towards a prodigal son, you know, of a father who, while you're still far away, runs after us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's other stories in Scripture where, uh, you know, God's rescuing folks from shame. And with Jonah, uh, he's really rescuing him from his anger. And I think that's something that I just related to a lot because Jonah and, and, and God in the story have two definitions of what success means. And... Jonah's not so happy that God didn't get on his side. <laughs> you know? yeah. So I think that's kind of the cool thing when we dive into this, just to kind of look for every aspect of us as addicts. Yeah. You know, there's no need for generalization in the book of Jonah. Like if you're talking to people who are dealing with addiction, Jonah is your book. Yeah. So that's good. Are we going to jump in? Yeah, let's do it. You want to kick us off with uh, the, the first part? Chapter 1, verse 1? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I think what's cool here is that Jonah was supposed to obey God, but he didn't want to. And so I also noticed like what he was doing when God spoke to him. He was laying down. And I think that's like the big clue here when he says, get up. Jonah was addicted to the core of all addictions, comfort. And I think that our comfort is like, if you boil it down, you peel off every single one of the layers of things. We're comfortable in our addiction. And sometimes our addiction is comfort. Yeah. And if you've been at this thing a while, and I know you teach the guys this here, you know, um, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. You've got to go places you don't want to go. You got to do things you don't want to do. And yeah. right now in this story, Jonah's not having it. He doesn't want anything to do with that. And so he goes and he gets on a boat headed to this place that if you look at the map is the direct opposite of where he's supposed to go. And some people say that, you know, he was literally on purpose going the opposite direction. I don't know if that's so much the case because what an addict would do is just get on the bus and wherever it's going, that's where he's headed. And I think that's kind of what he was doing. He was just like, nah, that's going to be uncomfortable for me. I don't want to do that. I don't Mm want to do that. What's that? I'm going to go where I can keep doing what I want to do. Peace. I'm out of here. Yeah. You know? Wow. That's good. I mean, it's so good, you know. And and the thing that that gets me in that in that verse too is is, is whenever I think about Jonah and why why this is like bizarre to me is that that Jonah is I mean he's a prophet like right. that that's what he does, you know. So you know to think that I mean it would be you know like like getting up and 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 telling LeBron, hey LeBron, go play basketball. 
And, you know, I mean, of course, that's what he would go and do. He's a basketball player. But then looking here at Joan, and I think it's just kind of neat how you brought that part out that he was laying down. I've never really heard that. I exactly. Knew. You know, like he, he's comfortable. I think that's the point because that is what you, that's where you got to peel it back a little bit. Uh-huh. The LeBron thing. Uh-huh. LeBron doesn't have a problem going and playing NBA championship basketball. But you ask LeBron to go play with the women's league, mm-hmm. or you go ask LeBron to go down to this college level mm-hmm. and play, he ain't getting on that boat. That's right. You know? Yeah. Verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Yet perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. So let me get this straight. Jonah's asleep again, right? He's laying down again. And this is how we know he's addicted to comfort because he's run right back to his comfort, man. And so, and and that's just what we do. You know, we're absolutely willing to go through hell to keep the thing that we're addicted to. And that is more than just a problem. That is an idol. And so the Lord hurled up a storm, and the storm there isn't to punish Jonah. The storm is there to help identify the problem and ultimately lead to his rescue. And so that's kind of like, I think, a big takeaway is just that all the problems that your addiction stirs up and causes is meant to wake you up. And the people on the ship, um, I think, also illustrate the people in our lives. So there's a people in our boat, right? And those people are really our families. And so the mariners are the people in the life of the addict. They're afraid. They have no idea why they're being hit with a storm. And let's just say this. Okay, you're in your addiction. Your life's causing the storm. Let's say it's a financial storm, financial problem, right? Your wife doesn't know where the money's going. She's crying out for help. She doesn't know what to do. The stuff in your house, the cargo on the ship is missing, Mm -hmm. right? The cargo starts to disappear. That's when they go wake up Jonah, right? So um, I just think that, you know, there's a lot going on here. And in this story, Jonah, he's done what he's wanted to do. He's nodded off below deck. And the shipmaster who's dealing with all the problems, and the shipmaster who was dealing with all the problems that Jonah had brought on them found it curious that the only person that didn't seem concerned was the dude chilled out and isolated from everybody else. So if you consider yourself an addict and you haven't seen yourself in this story, you know, you might not be an addict. I don't know. But I can see myself 110% mm-hmm. of like my family, the crew on my boat. I was the only one snoozing, the yeah. only one chilling, just comfortable being, un, you know, just like in this mess of havoc that I created. Yeah. And all the cargo is disappearing in my house. The people at the pawn shop know me my name when I walk in there. <laughs> yes. This is not a good scenario. Yes, man. Yes. I see me <laughs> in this big time. This is wild. This is so good. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? 
So Jonah's feeling a certain amount of guilt when he sees his lifestyles just totally wrecking the people he's trying to help out. Right? So he confesses. And then we get into verse 9. And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So he just tells them, you know, he's purposefully disobeying God. (laughs) You know, like, not only is like this who I am and this is my occupation, um, this is who I was, but I know that I'm doing wrong. And so he admits that his life is just a total mess. Um, But of course, reality hasn't quite sunk in. This is that part where the addict admits that he's he's using he admits that he has some problems. Yeah. And he's maybe just not all the way there, but the family's confronted him. And now we know at least that this storm is upon us because this person is doing something against the will of God. Yeah. Right? And they're causing a major storm that's impacting his life, whether he wants to be aware of it or not. And, you know, the collateral damage to all of these, these people that are involved. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So verse 11 Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more temptuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. So I think I have a theory here. You know, like when you hear preachers preach on this part of the message, it's like Jonah's all of a sudden, his prophets come back on, you know. But I think that what Jonah is trying to do is just like, just drown me. Maybe if it's just all over, then this goes away. The quickest solution is to get me out of this. Just kill me. Mm-hmm. Just just get rid of me. And I, I think that what's so funny here is he said something so extreme. And I don't know how many times you must have heard this in an intervention mm-hmm. where the addict is like, well, I would just be better off if I was dead. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't want to go to rehab. It'd be better if I was dead. Wait, you're going to die before you go to rehab? (laughs) Right? Yeah. Like, I don't know what you think it's easier to die Mm -hmm. instead of do what might be necessary to get you better. Yeah. The addict is right there. This is something that you've heard every addict say, and he's saying it to the family on the boat. But then what does the family do, Trey? Mm Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more temptuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. Okay, this is, you know, I got to just pause here for a second. How many times have you seen a family try to find that easier and softer way? Mm -hmm. Before the storm, before they pick him up and throw him in the water, mm-hmm. it says they look for every other way. So good. Right? They try to do anything else. Well, maybe we take his cards away, you know. Yeah. <laughs> maybe if we monitor that bank account, he won't figure out a way. We'll take his keys away. We'll put him in the bedroom, the guest bedroom. He ain't going nowhere. We got this. Look, I talked about this this morning, and I think, you know, a couple things here, too, that they're trying to do the work that, that ultimately he, he's going to do, right? And then they're also trying to, to avoid what must be done. You know, you got the kid that's over at UGA. The family's got a good name. 
you know, we've done all this work to make sure that little Johnny, mm -hmm. you know, and oh my gosh, if everybody finds out that he's doing cocaine, it's going to be an embarrassment to him and he's never going to be able to get a job. He's right. going to be at a gas station for the, you know, whatever. When in reality, you know, it's just, it's just a lie. And the storm is going to get worse okay. and get worse and get worse yeah. until you have to do, until they, in verse 15, they pick him up, they throw him into the sea. And that is when the sea ceases his raging. Pick up on that verse 16 there, Trey. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. So this is where I, I love this verse, but in the message, it says it like this. The sailors were impressed, no longer terrified by the sea, but in awe of God. They worshiped God. They offered a sacrifice and they made vows. Tell me this ain't true. Tell me mama don't sleep better at night once her son is yes. here. Yep. Right? That's right? They are worshiping because they realize with the attic removed, the family starts to praise. All their stuff stops disappearing. Yeah. The storm calms down. Yep. Now, with him out of the picture, where he needs to be, the crew knows exactly where their problems were coming from. And maybe for the first time, they feel relieved because it wasn't something else. You yeah. know, it was that, oh, oh, that was the whole problem. Yeah. You know? Little Johnny's safe now. Right. They can sleep. That's good. I've heard that a million times. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Did you know that it was in the Bible? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see it in the book of right? Jonah, but you know, this is good, go. man. Boom. So Jonah goes to rehab at this point, and he is in the whale. And it's not hard for, for you to make that analogy, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he goes uh, into the belly of this well, and he... Um, and you know, the Bible calls it a fish. If you went to Sunday school, it's a whale. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I think the most important thing is, is that Jesus in Matthew acknowledges this hard to swallow story of a guy who's in the whale's belly, you yeah. know? And if Jesus ultimately remembers Jonah and brings him up in Matthew yeah. and in Luke, well, if you don't believe Jesus, who else are you going to believe, right? Yeah, that's true. You know? So, so there, there are a couple of accounts of people being swallowed by fish, and it's really remarkable. I think there's one that happened in Europe. I'll find this for you. I probably shouldn't even bring it up on the podcast, but <laughs> but the guy lived. Wow. I think there, may, there might be one about a dog, and there's one about a man, and then the stomach acids bleached the guy. So wow. I'll find it, and I'll shoot well, it Well, here's the craziest thing, though. He's inside the fish's belly, and this is where he works the first three steps that are in the AA Big Book. Come on. I mean, it's kind of crazy. So step one, he admits that he's powerless over his addiction and his life's become unmanageable. <laughs> then Jonah works step two and comes to believe that a power greater than himself will restore him to sanity. And then finally, Jonah works step three and makes a decision to turn his life and will over to God. And we know this because chapter two is that prayer. Yeah. You want to read it? I'd love to. Yeah. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. 
The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Two big things right there. One, you haven't reached the bottom until you've had seaweed wrapped around your head. Two <laughs> is that, 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 man, what a home run. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. Dude, what? You know, that's what we did. And, and, and there you know, like, this connects. This is not just some analogy that we're strung together about Jonah having an idol worship problem of comfort. Wow. Right? Yeah. That he's laying down not only at home but in the boat because good, right here it's pointed out solid rock truth that he has clung to a worthless idol. That's good. And he has turned away from God's love. If you don't recognize comfort, this verse doesn't mean anything to Jonah. It doesn't. So what was he running from? Well, he was, he was a runner, you know. If he's a runner, what's he running from? He's running from this thing that he values, which is Jonah wants to do what Jonah wants to do. Yeah. And so the story doesn't end there when the fish spits him out. He gets out of rehab. He goes back to work. Um, and this time he's trying to do what he feels like he should do. And he, he doesn't really do it out of love, I don't think, at this mm. point. It's more of a sense of duty. He knows what the right thing is. Um, he knows what he should do. But this is the process. And so we all have to do things we don't want to do, and we have to go where we don't want to go. If we, find, if we want to find recovery, um, that's true. And Jonah's no different. And so what he does is he goes and does what he's supposed to do. He goes to Nineveh. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw that they did, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. The end. If this was a Hollywood movie, that's where it ends, right? If I'm directing this and I read the whole book of Jonah, I adapt it for this happy ending, right? This is his greatest hits moment. When Jesus refers to Jonah, he's referring to this moment. He's not referring to the whale. He's not, re he's referring to the sign of Jonah. You know, like this thing, you know, is his greatest hit. God looks at this like a success. Yeah. 
Jonah does not look like it. this is not a success. <laughs> this is not a success for him. So he did what he was supposed to do, but he didn't really want to do it. And he might have said the right words, and we might also say the right words when we're in recovery. We might say the right words that we want to turn our will over to God's will. We might even say the right words when we pray that prayer when we're eight years old. But until it becomes something real in your yeah. hearts that you can experience, you haven't got it yet. And sometimes it takes a little mining to get that belief to match up, to really turn not everything that turns is easy to turn. Yeah. Like this, turning your turning Jonah's will over to God's will is going to almost take a fist fight. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. So, so here we go. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? that this is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Relapse. Relapse. Wow. Total relapse. Now, you might have heard somebody preach on chapter 4. I have not. I haven't. You know, they read through it really quickly, and there's like, I don't know, there's a weird plant, there's a bunch of weird stuff going on. Him and her in an argument, let's just move past it. You know, like, yeah. what's going on? It's because it requires experience in what Jonah's dealing with to understand what's happening here. When you have a prophet that writes a book, and he writes something and puts it in quotes uh, to the Lord, <laughs> you, you take it like this, um, really almost comes out regal, you know, um, isn't that what I said, Lord? You know, like, <laughs> but really, I think it's like, think about it in terms of the addict here. It's almost like revisionist history is happening in a little bit in this saying here, too. It's like, well, look, this is what I told you. I told you so. This is yeah. what I knew you were going to do, and you just went and did it. Didn't yeah. You? And so I'm, I'm just going to go right back up to what I know. I'm going to run back to my comfort because it's my drug of choice. So bye. You know, wow. and, he, and it's anger that gets in there, but he's angry just for the reason we're all angry. We don't get our way and we don't get the thing that we want. So what is that? Well, that's actually something that we've kind of forgotten in the church today. There's a process, a spiritual refinement process. It's called a lament. And it is an overlooked genre of prayer found throughout all of Scripture. There's actually more lament songs than praise songs in the Bible. Wow. The Psalms alone contain <clears throat> the songs alone contain more than 65 laments, including laments for fallen warriors, laments for illnesses, laments for victims of suffering, laments for the dead, and more. These are laments of vengeance, protest, repentance, loss, even depression. I mean, everybody has this moment of lament Hannah, Moses, Job, Tamar, Jeremiah, and Jesus. So it's kind of an important thing, and we do overlook it. But basically what this is, is this is Jonah. This is us recognizing the proper place for our anger in this moment. I'm not getting my way. I'm in my will. I'm yelling at God. Mm -hmm. Now, you might not feel like it's the most holy thing you can do to yell at God. But I promise you, there's so much healing when you do. Wow. <laughs> because you realize how small you really are. Yell at God for a little while about anything. First of all, who else are you going to blame? 
once you get past blaming your wife and your family or your kids or your boss or all those people and you keep deducting it down to like who's in control of everything, Mm. you're going to eventually get to God. And if you're really upset with God, the confrontation with God becomes incredibly important. What's happening in chapter 4 is Jonah's lamenting process. He, this is a proven method of refinement that we see throughout Scripture, but we hardly ever talk about. And I probably wouldn't have ever found it except for that in my own story, somebody looked at me and said, look, you're just mad at God. No, I'm not. I'm a Christian. <laughs> I am not mad at God. But I was, you know. And, yeah. like, and, and what it took is me going out in the woods and just yelling everything I didn't think was fair about my life. You know what? That movie should have made this much money. I should be living in this kind of house. I should have this kind of car. I should have, you know, this much money in the bank. And those Ninevites didn't deserve any of it. Yeah. Right? Wow. Yeah. So so this is this is definitely textbook relapse. And he goes out and sits on the hilltop. <laughs> He just heads out to the man shed. He's, he's done with it, you know? <laughs> Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. Mm. It's, you know, I don't know if any of you have ever stormed out of the house and, and waited on somebody at the house to change their minds, you know, usually doesn't change (laughs) but that's sort of the that's sort of what's going on with Jonah right now I think that the thing is is that his drugs not working the way it has been you know he's gone back to comfort and God's even let him walk right into it by providing this plant but it's not working the way it used to because something's actually changed through this refining process he's been in the whale you know he's he knows what he has to do He's just not completely turned his will over to this understanding um, uh, of where he really needs to be. He's fighting it with every tooth and nail, right? So he's he's kind of like still begging to be dead. <laughs> it's and so I have this note on this verse. It says in rehab or in the jail of a whale. You can really crawl to Jesus with your hands outward, praying for relief and forgiveness, and all you want is peace, really. And faith is so easy in that moment because you're in a safe place where you haven't got any pride left. But then when you get back to the real world and you get a little confidence, then something happens and you just feel wrecked. Your relationship with God is there, but now it can look more like this, and you find yourself mad at something, and you're spinning backwards. And so I think that's the truth we have to hold on to is that in that moment, even after you've messed up, even after you've maybe picked up a drink and had one drink, before you let it go all the way back through the whole carousel of life that you've been on, because this happens to so many guys, you have to realize that it is far better to yell at God 
than to run from him. And invite him into your pain because he can take it. Blame him. Yell at him. He's a big God. He's not going to be offended. He's a big boy. He's got it, right? And so he knows the pain behind those cries and where they're coming from. And he knows how hard it is to really turn this sinful will over, even at the point of where we know that's where salvation is. And, I man, I've met so many religious people who, who it almost becomes a job. And it shouldn't feel like a job. It should be a love story. Yeah. And so a lament and really just put it all on the table of the way you would write it. This is the way it should be. And then God looks at that and he goes, oh, really? Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. then, and it, something just is, that's where you get the real spiritual aspect of a lament is that for each person that does that, spend enough time doing that. God will tell you exactly. He'll walk you with open arms. He'll hear all of your cries. And then you're going to walk out of that exchange, a real exchange. I can't tell you, like, this is what's going to happen. You will walk out of that exchange with something for you. Yeah. And, And some of us, the realization is really just that we are mad at God. We're mad at the situation we're in. The reason we picked up in the first place was because life wasn't going the way we thought it should go. And that... You know, we were just going to check out, you know, we're better off dead, you know, or, or whatever, you know, yeah. like you just gave up. And God's saying, like, that's not your story. Let me write. Let me write. So, verse 10. Verse 10. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I have not concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. It's weird because that's where the book ends. But it's not where Jonah ends, and Jonah wrote the story. So we can, we can think that he wrote this story for a purpose, right? He's saying, Jonah, chill out, man. The story ain't about you, right? We're all... We all are born thinking we're the main character in our stories. We're not. It's actually, we're the supporting actor in a lot of other stories that are going on, right? Mm -hmm. We play the supporting actor role a little bit better. We become better neighbors, better friends, better husbands, better fathers. Mm -hmm. But there's even bigger story going on that God's writing. And he's the main character of that story. And he's got a role for us to play, which is incredibly exciting for us. Yeah. And that's really what he's telling Jonah. So this lament has led to a realization, I think, and I believe it's one that Jonah carried with him the rest of his life. I think it's something that we should keep in mind that our Father God knows us. He wrote us, and he didn't just write our story. He wrote us into his story. So... Um, I think when things don't go our way or they're just, you know, not going the way we think they should go, it's no reason to run. And in that case, it's, it's actually better to yell at God, to go to God, even if we're not happy with them. Every prayer doesn't have to be a happy prayer. Yeah. Any prayer is better than no prayer and running back to the thing that uh, wrecked your life and put you in that storm in the first place. That's so good. It's better to yell at God than to run from God. And and I just, you know, the permission, I mean, I feel like I've just been 
in in you know borderline tears the whole time that we've been going through this because it's bringing so much healing and you know whether you're in addiction or whether you're at some other season of your life and these tendencies to you know want to try to you know be all pious and and you know pretend like we're so religious or or, or whatever when in reality we're frustrated about what's going on um and and it's okay to go and talk to God and he can handle it and he can, can he understands that and he can walk us out of it and bring healing. But this is just one of these teachings as you were going through it that I just would want this just taught, you know, almost weekly mm. at this program because it speaks to so many things on what people are going through. It's just good, man. It's all, it's good too just to look at, look into scripture into this old Testament story and realize that God knew your story before you were here. Yeah. And he knew what you would go through. And especially if anger, which it goes hand in hand with a lot of, of us dealing with addiction, not getting our way, you know, I mean, we're selfish, right? Yeah. Uh, we wouldn't wreck as many lives as we had if we weren't selfish. Jonah speaks to what to do with your anger. It gives yeah. you something to do. And God's just saying, bring it to me. And it's just like that with the prodigal son. If you're dealing with, you know, guilt, bring it to me. Yeah. You know? Don't keep running. It's just like that for Peter when he's dealing with shame of betraying Jesus. Jesus sits him down by the campfire. It's very similar to this mm. moment on the hill that we find in Jonah, except for Jonah's angry and Peter is shame. Shame, guilt, anger. These are the things that lead us right back to our addiction. And if we really dig through the scriptures, we're going to find something that speaks directly to us. Yeah. I recommend those three stories primarily as just a good place for anybody who's not gotten to scripture to start. Because if you feel shame every night when you go to bed, man, read through the story of Peter, right? Yeah. If you if you feel guilt for all the things that you did and that crazy rebellious spirit that you had, Prodigal Son is, is a story for you. Yeah. But if you have dealt with addiction, anger, all the things that we've talked about, just straight up running from God and knew better and did it anyway, yeah. Jonah, is there's so much here. Wow. I think we need to do a series. I think we need to come back. Prodigal Son, Peter, <laughs> the whole deal. This is so good. Right. Um, you wrote a book. I did, yes. Um, it's really, uh, so I don't have to tell my story. I can tell these stories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I put my story in the book. It's on Amazon. Um, it's called a damn mess, and um, and it's it's that for multiple reasons. One, we all know we had that story that was a mess. Yeah. And two, um, you know, it's not the most polished or professional book that's out there. You know, left in the grammatical errors and all, because you know nobody's perfect and yeah. not really meant to be. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I mean, there's stuff in there from Thomas Kincaid. I mean, it, it is, um, yes. I mean, it's just, it's so good. I mean, and two, that, the, the way that you bring out, you know, Thomas Kincaid, I mean, that, that, that part of it, but even now circling back to Jonah mm. and, and really speaking to somebody that, that's in treatment, you know, and whether it's somebody that's on the front end of this journey that's going to be listening to this or it's a parent to kind of understand the mindset, you know, and what the loved one is going through is just good, man. Yeah. It'd you have be, a gift. Thank for you. For the family to like to know that you have a Jonah on the boat. Yeah. I mean, it's it's all there. It's all there. It is yeah. there. It really is. Let's do it again. All right, man. Thanks, man. Guys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. It is a privilege and an honor to be able to serve you. If you or someone in your family is struggling with addiction, please give us a call. It's 770-570-7422.